2: being vulnerable in front of your children is a key part to to bringing open conversations that are real and helping them know that in the future when they fail it's a part of life and it doesn't define who they are it's just something that happened and then they get to decide who they are by what they how they respond
3: We just pile on we go from not being able to uh, you know give a high five at age four to a stranger uh, to not being able to try off the play. You know, trying out for the varsity team in high school to not be able to apply for college by yourself or, or uh, you know, apply for a job and, uh, and sit in front of an interviewer and risk uh, rejection and failure but rejection and failure, like we were talking about earlier is part of life and, uh, and it's an okay and acceptable part of life and it's part of my story and it's part of your story and it's yeah. part of everybody's story um, and when we kind of hide from that and shield our kids from that, they, they miss out on all of those possibilities
0: that was Holly and Chris Santilo, the authors of Resilience Parenting. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet, you may just get your chance. We're going to have a drawing, and the details are at the end of this podcast, but basically by simply sharing your thoughts, ideas, and stories, you will have a chance to enter the drawing and perhaps get that book on your doorstep. Isn't that great, guys? I'm so thankful uh, for their absolute generosity in uh, offering that to all of you guys. It's pretty great. And in my thankful moment, I also want to thank all of you who are listening around the world. Thank you, Columbia, Fremont, California. I can't remember if I said thank you or not before. And uh, New Market, England. Thank you for being out there. Uh, It means the world to us when you're sharing and sending our uh, episodes on to people that you think might be interested in it and as well just coming back you know the doesn't have to be millions and we are really happy just for those of you who show up it's uh, like you're in our living room and we're having a chat with you that's the way i'd like to think of it so Send us some hello on info at imperfectparenting.net or out on Instagram. Or you can even check out our YouTube channel these days uh, where we just have some small hits connected to our um, podcast here. And on that note, I will move on over to the great conversation I had with Chris and Holly. And you will notice that there are some warbly bits, just like you you heard in the very beginning here. Uh, they're on the road. So connection is iffy, but overall was good. And the content amazing. And there were a lot of, there was a lot of alignment um, in my own world and thinking and some good laughs ding-ding, as promised, another opportunity to win a book of one of our guests. Of course, today we have Chris and Holly Santillo who have written Resilience Parenting, and we are so thankful to them for being so generous to, as to offer a book to our world listeners uh, according to a drawing. So how do you enter the drawing, you might ask? Well, I will tell you right now. If you listen, you will know that there's a question that they ask at the end of this podcast that they would like to ask all of you. And so listen up. And when you hear that, the, go ahead and write us at info at net. And that's all you have to do. Share your stories. You can do a recording. You can send me an email. And we will pass it on to them, of course. And of course, by doing that, by sending the email with your story, you will be automatically put into the drawing. Yay! And that drawing will end just two weeks after this podcast. And at that point, we will do the drawing and we will let you guys know. So, of course, we will send you an email and we will also do an announcement on our podcast. So that is the exciting news. And next is Chris and Holly Santillo. Hi. It's great to see you, Holly Hi. and Chris. Um Bye. Bye. To How are you? parenting. Thank you. It's uh Thanks
2: for having
0: us. it's kind of a cold, sunny, cloudy day here in Prague, Czech Republic, and I see something in the background there. And I know that you, your your book said that you're nomadic, but uh, <laughs> where are you right in this moment, actually? We are
3: currently in, in Wisconsin, just uh, across the border from uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul.
0: Okay. All right. I was trying to picture... Did which... you hear
2: that okay? Yeah,
0: perfectly. Because
2: you cut out a little bit on
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. The, the great thing is this requires us to stop and listen and wait for each other because you can't talk over each other. I've noticed with uh, long distance connection on Skype that basically we have to breathe and wait for a pause because if we talk over each other, you just, you lose it. You lose the sound. It's very oddball. So you said you had some questions for me (laughs) and I have questions, of course, loads for you guys, but yeah, go for it. And then I'll,
3: why are you in Prague? (laughs) I'm so excited that you're in Prague. I want to know more about why you're in Prague.
0: Well, me personally, I, uh, well I'm from California and I was, uh, I followed signs. I was traveling through the uh, through Europe and I got to a point where I felt like I was meant to be somewhere and I was actually in Switzerland and in a tiny village of 150 odd people and two people in the same week looked at me and said, "You know what? You need to go to Prague." And I don't believe in coincidence. So, I came and things fell into place and I stayed I would say on and off. I've been back and forth between the US, Australia, travel and and here for over 20 years, but really straight on for, I don't know, more than a decade. And my husband came for work and we met. He's from Sweden. That's the other country. We've got U.S., Sweden, and and Czech Republic in our tri-country
2: reality. Cool. Yes, that was definitely one of my questions. And then the other question was how you were inspired to start this mission about Imperfect Parenting.
0: Uh, it, actually, it's interestingly enough, um, a lot of the things that you guys wrote about in your book were a big piece of it because I was finding this clash of, um, you know, you talk about different stories of the people that you met in your studio and out in life. And uh, that was a big piece of it. I felt like people were just seeing right and wrong and not seeing each other as people as a looking at different culture, personal culture, family culture, and recognizing that different people's ideas are okay and to be imperfect in somebody else's eyes uh, Mm. is okay and that we need to give each other a break. So I really felt like uh, inspired that I wanted to tell stories from around the world, um, share our own (laughs) ups and downs, which, you know, uh, as I was reading your book, I was thinking I wouldn't have in the past have shared both failures and successes. Mm. because it was this whole thing about trying to be perfect and uh, you know no one else was talking about anything that was tough and therefore we're all putting this pressure on each other to be something that doesn't even really fully exist I think as human beings and Mm. uh and which isn't also a great lesson for our kids as well because what are we what message are we sending right so that I wanted to be a part of that message a part of creating understanding and more connectedness, seeing where we do align and where we don't and where we can learn from one another. Um, and if not in the playground, then at least somewhere on the podcast, in the blog, or or through my wonderful guests, there would be an opportunity to learn. You know, sort of like group therapy goes much faster in your learning <laughs> process than being on your own. You know, you can, you can just listen, you know, so... Uh, Yeah, just that was a big piece of it. It was that mission of um, having there be more joy in parenting instead of just stress of what we're supposed to do according to something else. So a combination of learning from books like yours, The Resilience Parenting, getting inspired like, oh wow, that makes sense to me. And at the same time, listening to your own intuition. And even if it doesn't make sense, kind of going with it because it makes sense for your family instead of Mm -hmm. trying to fit in only with someone else's. So I love that you had such a diversity of stories uh, that would allow people to sort of connect with different things. And that rang true for me. And when people contact us, or we see people out there, and we're thinking about a conversation, they don't have to agree with what we do. But it helps me to have a conversation if there's some core values that are aligned, Uh, not necessary, but so far, the guests that we've had, there's, you know, there's something that Yeah, uh huh. I get it. There's a nod of the head. And my husband and I both felt that with a lot of the things that you guys were bringing up, um, which I could list out, but I'd rather hear you talk about it. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about resilience parenting and how, what, what, when did you get the moment of we have to write this or we have to share this or, you know, where was that? It has to happen. Not the first twinkling, but when it, it was sure.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Chris is, Chris is a great thinker. Um, um, I think that he really has a good good way of seeing the world, and more than that, a good way of distilling it. Um, I see the world, and then just want to paint it. <laughs> oh, nice! I love <laughs> In ways you. that people don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's he's really good at putting things into words, um, and felt passionate about helping folks who who seem were were to be struggling you know in, in particular it always bothered us when we would see parents who were ready to have their children go out into the world and and their children weren't there yet and yeah. and neither neither party could understand why um and that actually goes for for older children as well as younger children you know it, it starts quite early, and, and the, the parent in the, the lobby of our dojo is ready for that child to come out and, and say hello to their potential new martial arts instructor, and and they just can't. They're t- terrified of the world, and, and the extension of that, that into 18 is they aren't able right. to put themselves in front of an interview or um, – you know, a potential failure at a job, and so they just stay behind their parents' legs <laughs> at age eighteen. So I think that yeah, right, figuratively, preferably. figuratively. Um, well, but sometimes so it is almost like that,
0: right? Sometimes you know? Literally, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I have a bonus family, and and that was one of the challenges we had. Um, my husband and I talking, looking at our daughter and his other two kids from his previous marriages, that we felt like they miss they didn't mean to they of course loved their kids but but by accident they didn't instill that confidence and let them do a lot of things and a lot of the things that you talk about in your book and and his daughter who his oldest daughter is almost 22 and we were feeling that she was in that position you know they wanted her to be able to just leap out into the world and there was this kind of tentativeness and if only this book had been available then, <laughs> way back when. And, so.
3: and just like you say, it's it's always unintentional, and what? frankly, it's always done out of love. It's always done out of this uh, goal of trying to protect the child from uncomfortable situations, right. trying to pr- trying to create um, environments that are very comfortable for them, and not putting them. I keep saying the same. I keep coming around it with trying to prevent uh, discomfort in the child's life and or so, risk or risk. Yeah. If you if you if you don't want to come out and say hi to this person, that's okay. You don't have to. If you don't want to go oh. uh, try out for the play, the school play, well, that's okay. That's okay. There's a reason you don't want to do that. I, I don't want you to fail. I don't. I want,
2: respect your feelings. I respect you know? your
3: feelings, and all of this again, it's all just the shelter with love. But good then there's good but. <laughs> The the unintended consequence is that all of a sudden you end up with this child that hasn't uh, been forced to go out there, hasn't forced to get out in front of people, hasn't been forced to um, to interact with the world at an age-appropriate level. And so we just pile on. We go from not being able to uh, you know give a high five at age four to a stranger uh, to not being able to try out for the play. To you know, trying out for the varsity team in high school, to not being able to apply for colleges by yourself, or or uh, you know, apply for a job and uh, and sit in front of an interviewer and risk uh, rejection and failure, but rejection and failure, like we were talking about earlier, is part of life, and uh, and it's an okay and acceptable part of life, and it's part of my story, and it's part of your story, and it's yeah. part of everybody's story. Um, and when we kind of hide from that and shield our kids from that, they they miss out on all of those possibilities.
0: Yeah, I really liked it when. To quote you guys, uh, when we know uh when we know we have this power to recover, there is no fear of failure. And I thought to myself, we need that as adults. This isn't just kids. <laughs> this is all of us. You know, uh, oh, in coaching, yeah. when I'm doing coaching with CEOs and whatnot, and not just family members, this is the kind of thing we come up all the time is the sort of way we stand and um people put up barriers. That I know I can't and there's all the reasons why I can't do it you know this sort of standing uh, creating blocks uh, because of fear of failure and I think that it starts early and what an amazing gift to be able to learn some of this really really early on so that you can go out in life and have a chance to really dream big and do things right <laughs>
3: I I used to joke before I had kids, I used to think that kids were just miniature adults. (laughs) And uh, now that I'm, you know, we have three of our own kids, they're six, eight, and ten. And uh, now that I have my own kids, I now understand that adults are just really big kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, or just, you know, we hide it a little bit better. But all of those same feeling when you see a, a three year old having a tantrum, like we all have that inside of ourselves, we just to varying degrees, understand how to better channel that energy. Uh, and some better than others. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. Just, just, some better than others. You know, I had a tantrum just the other day. Which that's <laughs> true. Not important, not relevant to the conversation.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But you don't have to talk about it. No, no, it's, but it's true. I mean, my, both my husband and I have led teams at different times and we often talk about it like this. It's just like with your kids and da 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 da, da. it's the similar people need. They want to say, look at me, look what I've done, acknowledge me, encourage me, or, you know, whatever the different pieces that come along and it's all there, you know, the, the ups and
2: the downs. So Chris this past weekend encouraged me to um, to participate in an event where you kick a bat with your shin. This is we're, we're martial artists. you understand. Oh, okay, right, right. She wanted oh, thank to be you really, for reminding me. I think that's terrible. Why would okay. you do that? Yeah. Um, he had he had just successfully broken two a couple nights before and he said, you know, they're looking for more people and I I think that you want to do it. And just like you said, I I had a whole host of reasons Number one, um, I haven't practiced. (laughs) Maybe that would be a good idea to do it after I practiced. (laughs) Uh, He said, I really believe in you. You can do it. And um, it came the morning, and everyone's excited. You know, a big crowd gathered. My kids are all there. And it's just five women who are are training in martial arts. And we've been practicing a little bit about how to do it. And there was confidence that we were all going to break it. And I was the one person who didn't. I 100% failed. Not hundred percent okay, it, cr- it cracked a little bit <laughs> it did it was no longer a usable bat yeah, it
3: was it was <laughs> she de- she destroyed its usability
2: um but in in everyone's eyes, you know, I kicked it again and again, and it did not bust into two pieces and Um, the kids, the kids were like, well, I think it's because you didn't have enough breakfast or I think it's because they made you wear this blue pad here, mom. And I was like, uh, didn't you notice everyone was wearing that blue pad kids? You know, they really wanted to,
0: for me to not
2: have failed, right? Yeah. Yeah, That there's some reason you're still, you're still perfect. And I I don't know, you you still got this. And, And, um, it was really helpful to honestly, to have, Failed in front of them and be able to talk about what happens next. Yeah. You know, I have a choice now. I can decide that um, what we and we had a conversation about it. So what what, I could decide that that like I'm I'm forever done and wash my hands of my martial arts career. There it is. Like I am I failed in front of all of these people
3: and on the Internet.
2: And, on, and it's on Facebook, of course. <laughs> so you might even go you viral, know. you know? <laughs> so, no. So I'm done, you know? Yeah. Or maybe um, this is an opportunity for me to to recover, yes, um, and I can choose either to adapt or, or stay strong. And we discussed amongst ourselves what that meant, and it was cool that they had different answers than us about what, what those two words would mean, you know? How would I adapt in this situation? How would I stay strong in this situation? Um, I actually like theirs even better than mine. <laughs> um, so being vulnerable in front of your children is a key part to to bringing open conversations that are real and helping them know that in the future when they fail, it's a part of life and it doesn't define who they are. It's just something that happened and then they get to decide who they are by what they respond, how they respond. Absolutely.
3: Discussing how, you know, kids are big adults or, or vice versa. Um, their reaction was so interestingly different than the the gentleman who was facilitating this. And he has fourteen world records for breaking stuff <laughs> with his body, and he's just an incredible human being, an incredible martial artist, and whatnot. But he is clearly, uh, you know, he's he's been through the ups and downs of life, and he's a, a very mature and and uh, and. Um, uh, a thoughtful individual. And his reaction was just so, so different from the six year old's reaction. You know, he, he didn't make a big deal about it. He gave her a hug and said, you know, and shrugged and, you know, like, so this was the day that you tried to do something and it didn't happen. Like he didn't make a big deal. He didn't apologize. He didn't make excuses. You know, this was, this was just what happened. And, um, you know, and uh, versus like she said, you know, the the, the crying six year old who feels like the world is over because his mother tried to do something and failed right. um, is just because he hasn't had enough situations in the life where he's failed and realized that it's that it's not that big of a deal. Failure does not define us.
0: Well, but that's also that's something that you're, you know, your intentions and, and you're teaching, you know, your kids to to view it differently. I know plenty of adults who don't fail well. They don't not succeed or do that perfect moment very well. And, uh, it's debilitating because they don't have mm-hmm. this resilience. And, uh, I can only, I, I just sort of visualize sort of what school must have been like, you know, how, that the whole life is learning the whole life until the end is, is learning. So that must be really challenging. So can I ask you, so how did both of you get into martial arts and, and are your kids doing martial arts?
2: or any of them or one of them or none of them yeah uh chris tried to drag me into it but how did you start i
3: I started as a teenager you're just classic like a friend said you want to come to my class and i i came to his class and it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen
2: oh and Um, he'd always wanted to do it as a kid but his parents wouldn't let him oh Oh. yeah i like that
3: in periodically um But, uh, yeah, my, my parents forbade me for reasons that I, I – I, which I, I consider a, a home messaging um, a problem in the martial arts industry. I think my mother mm-hmm. had this image of martial artists as, I, I don't know, bullies or something. I don't know, just a, a wrong perception through due to lack of data and, and yeah. bad 80s movies. Right. Um, <laughs> and, I'm already, uh, like,
0: picturing the bully in Karate Kid, the original, and thinking, yep,
3: she only yeah, exactly, saw that guy. exactly. But there's the other guy too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's Mr. Miyagi and, and Danielson, right? Um, and uh, so, yeah, when I, I as soon as I I could, I was. Um I was uh, in school, and uh, a friend of mine invited me to try a class, and I just, like I say, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and I joined. I think during college I spent more time at the dojo than I did uh, at classes. I still graduated. <laughs> I think that's important to note. But uh, and uh, when, and then going back to the failure story, out of college, I uh, co-founded a networking uh, hardware company with a friend. Um, and ran that into the ground, not on purpose, by accident, <laughs> and failed miserably in our entrepreneurial dream of, uh, of being tech billionaires, and uh, and then went to my instructor and said, can I teach karate now? Because mm. <laughs> I don't I have a job anymore. And, um, and I started, and it was supposed to be a temporary thing just to kind of until I figured out what was next. Um, and I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved to teach in the adults. I loved teaching the kids. Uh, I loved uh, that environment of learning and growth that I was just kind of in every single day. And um, and uh, and then I kind of one thing led to another, and now we have four schools. And and yes, our I guess Holly has her how she started, but uh, yes, all three of our children train. They all started at age three and a half, and they train regularly. Um, and and they love every bit of it.
2: They do. They do. <laughs> You want more of my story? Yeah, I, I, I yeah to I'm waiting. I, I, I can
0: talk, but She's I'd rather hear.
2: Stubborn. I kept <laughs> he pushing him off me kicking and... no. Yeah, it seemed like a really silly thing. That's like what my brother did. Whatever. <laughs> 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 and then once I started, boy, I I loved it as well. Um, I I saw a fusion of grace and and strength that I had not seen in another athletic pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um. I really enjoyed it. And then said, great, well, I'm going to train, but don't ask me to teach. And when that day came, I said, fine, fine, I will help you teach. But don't ever ask me to lead a studio. That's too far. <laughs> and then sure enough, we I ran our second studio. And that was just its own tremendous growing
3: experience.
2: Um, and it was tremendous. Just tremendous.
0: Wow.
3: Best employee I ever had.
2: <laughs> you
0: decided to keep her around. I got it. <laughs> No, I, I everybody that I know actually uh, that's in martial arts. I I only know a handful of people that really stayed with it long term, but they're some of the best people that I know. There's a, there's a depth to it. There's a, a connection with with at least from my perception out here as person who's only done maybe uh, Tai Chi a couple of times. If I'm really honest, but <laughs> it's not the same. But you know, in that world at all. But there's a. A groundedness and awareness and ins- being inside of your own body and and awareness of others. At least that's how I view it. And I think that that's profound for your life when you're working in this way with your body in a sport. And interestingly enough, I have had endless conversations with my husband since before we were married. And it wasn't until I said, oh, by the way, I'm doing this interview. He said, you know, I actually have a brown belt. And I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't do it now. He's actually labeled himself as more of a cyclist. But we had never talked about that. It had never been a part of the conversations um, at all because he put himself in this, you know, I'm a cyclist and I'm a whatever fitness guy. So he had kind of moved away from that. But it was interesting to me. And I thought, well, that's going to be another conversation after we talk today. Very <laughs> cool. Into that, but, um, that's great. but he's also quite a grounded soul and has an empathy and awareness of others. So it doesn't totally surprise me. Uh, so I'm curious how you guys ended up nomadic, and how do you manage that, and what is that about, and how do you manage your four studios? You must have some amazing people that you really trust if you're out on the road, which is great.
3: We, we do have the most amazing team that anyone could ask for. Um, but being nomadic, turns out, was really easy. All we did was sold our house, and then ipso facto, we were nomadic. Um, <laughs> So it's just kind of like we went to the closing, we signed oh, and some didn't paper, buy another one. and didn't buy another one. Right, that's uh, the main nor, thing. <laughs> nor Latin of Harvest. and we uh, just walked out of the office and realized that we were now homeless on purpose. Is that not a thorough answer?
2: There was we, the liquidation of all the possessions. That yes, was we good. did
3: spend six months getting rid of everything we own. Everything we own uh, is either uh, is in uh, a large closet in uh, Holly's mother's basement at this point in time. Um. Yep. And, uh, or, in or, our backpacks. or in our backpacks right
0: Yeah. wow we, it's interesting because just by chance I, I have a really really dear friend who uh, just downsized her life after 9-10 years in Sydney and basically sold off I everything I I saw her yeah that's Yana yeah. and they're on the road and then somebody uh, talked to us just recognized us actually from the podcast and said I know some people you need to talk to and that's the other family who just did the same thing that you did and now they they shipped their vehicle their rv into the u.s and they're going through the u.s maybe you'll actually end up seeing them at some point you never know (laughs) they're trying to get people to think uh, more about the the planet and each other as well and we actually ourselves in all honesty if you were to see the other side of this camera i am also downsizing our home because we may also be Uh, there's a possibility we're immigrating back to the United States. So it's a massive move for us. Um, Maybe not into backpacks, but (laughs) certainly (laughs) less than what we've had in the last 15 years or 12 years, whatever. So we empathize with that. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice feeling also. Like I said, you know, I don't want to sell anymore. I'm just going to give those things away. There's a great charity and, oh, there's a friend and yeah, they could use that. And it feels good to let go and have it have purpose and also to be lighter. I think it, moves energy around for sure uh in your life and so I'm curious like now that how long have you been on the road now I didn't really I don't like to google people before I talk to them because I want (laughs) to have a real conversation for me it's more like I just want to I of course I looked around a little bit and read your book and this and that but I like to have surprises maybe I
3: want to say so we just were very new to this we just left three weeks ago oh, Today, wow. yeah. three weeks today <gasps> and uh we have about three months slated here in the U.S. okay um and we'll go and I guess actually in, in little into Canada we'll make it up to Banff and then we'll come down to Vegas and then back up to Seattle because that's the most efficient way to get anywhere that's and true. then um and then in August we head to the uh east coast of Russia and uh wow. then into trans Railway to Mongolia and then China and then when it starts to get cold i think we'll probably head to south america but that's that's kind of beyond our planning horizon
0: very cool while well, you answered that question i was curious what your current route is and uh,
2: there are a lot of places we want to see, and we're not quite sure how to pack it into the next couple of years. We, <laughs> well, we're going to try. It'll,
0: it'll evolve as it's meant to. I mean, inevitably, you'll be in one place and somebody will say, you have to go to this place, and we know these people. And and are you it's only right. staying in hotels? Are you doing RV? Are you uh, camping? Well, what is here... your mode of? Reality. Here in the
3: U.S., yeah. we have lots of friends. We're at a friend's house right now, uh, so we've been kind of catching up with a lot of people we haven't seen enough of over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so that's been great. And um, and then certain number of you know uh, Airbnbs and uh, and hotels to fill in the gaps and, and then- camping camping, and a, and camping. <laughs> Camping's
2: is my favorite thing <laughs>
3: that's why you're saying camping oh got it. <laughs> I'm all about camping as long as there's like a memory foam mattress oh my <laughs> goodness what? I was I'm gonna say like... a
0: shower but okay mattress wow okay I, I do shat- like an air mattress myself I'm not really a ground person you know I definitely have the, the little um automatic or the pump or something to get a little mattress going underneath but Memory
3: foam. Wow, you're you're
0: going full on. Not, That's pretty heavy. No,
2: we do not have memory foam <laughs> not. in our Kia sedan no. as we're traveling around.
3: No. Holly and the kids are very uh, young and nimble, and they can sleep on rocks and roots and stuff.
2: Rocks and, and roots,
3: and very comfortably. And I, I, uh, so we'll do a, We'll do. We will do a certain quantity of camping this
2: coming week. We actually, are I'm really Excited? Is that
3: right? It's <laughs> this week. We have. We are negotiating about exactly what quantity of camping will happen.
0: And you, did you decide to do this now before your eldest is in middle school and things get a little more intense? Is that sort of, or, or are you going to continue world schooling and, and homeschooling or what's your,
2: what was your, we have for? no idea. We don't know what happens at the end, but yes, <laughs> it did feel like a great time to do this. The, yeah. the age of our kids is six, eight and 10.
3: They're old enough to carry their own backpacks. That was an important milestone. Yeah. yeah.
2: But. But young enough um, that, like you say, maybe the, the connections to family are still more important than connections to, to other friends. Right. You know, I know that they need to be yeah, that moving in your teen to the years world. And, it shifts a bit, yeah. right. And and not only that, but our, our parents are young and didn't need us for anything just now, aside from their That's kind smart. of set work on. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted to sneak it in be, be at this point in time. Absolutely. And what
0: has been your... your- greatest challenge and greatest joy in the last few weeks since you started, like, as far as your parenting reality, I mean, you're, you're trying to, you still have to kind of at a distance, I'm sure be aware of your businesses, you have your book, right? And you have your children and the reality of moving around. It's intense. I mean, even if you have a place to land each time,
2: you know, okay, I'm going to answer that. (laughs) Most challenging for me, and I know Chris will have his own his own point. Most challenging for me is being sensitive to what's going on with them without asking too many leading questions to make them think that there should be something going on. Yeah, with she's them. like, "Are you
3: developing a neurosis? <laughs> are you developing? Is that a neurosis? Is the reason that you're doing that is because you're going insane? Is that those we,
2: kind of questions are yeah, you keep coming up? Uh, <laughs> did
3: you not finish your lunch because we're ruining your life? Like it's like,
2: like that. you need not to big be at all not
3: to ask." Yeah, you need to not ask the leading questions. She's like yeah.
2: So that's challenging for me because I do wanna be aware Yeah, if things aren't going well, then we're gonna change and and get to where everyone needs to be. Um but I don't want to do that in such a way that scares them.
3: You know, yeah, she's projecting I think, I think
2: they're doing just fine.
3: Yeah, they, but to all appearances, are doing great. Uh, you know, we've traveled a lot before this point, okay. and uh, they they're very comfortable with traveling, and they like traveling, and they like seeing new places and new things, and meeting new people and and uh, good experiences. Uh, for me, it's kind of finding the the right balance because this is um, we're we're marketing it as a sabbatical because midlife crisis just doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> so I'm not really supposed to be working a ton. Uh, but obviously there's a certain quantity of checking in that I, okay. uh, that I want to be doing on purpose. Uh, our book launched the day after we left. So there's a certain quantity of, of, uh, um, doing what we're doing now and promoting our book. We want to make sure that we're doing, we want to, uh, do that. Um, and so finding the right balance of that and, uh, experiencing the place where we are and the people we're visiting and, um, being with our present with our children, which is of course kind of the motivating factors, um, and finding the right balance of those things, I think, is uh, something we're still kind of figuring out a little bit. And the reality is we left town with a whole bunch of to-do list items that have nothing to do with the ongoing that just didn't quite get done yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we uh, our, our blog, if I can plug it real quick, is called fivebackpacks.family. And um, so we're, we're committed to five backpacks. But during these three months that we're in the States, we still have a car and, uh, we'll get rid of that when we get to the West coast. And, um, so we have a little bit of overflow because like in the last like five days of getting out of the house, like closings on Friday kind of thing, it was like, it won't fit in the backpack. Just throw it in the trunk, throw it in the trunk. We'll figure it out later. And there's a little bit of a a frantic, uh, you know, poorly made decisions in the last minutes there. So we have, we're still kind of catching up on a little bit of that. And, uh, and there's just so many people in the U.S. we want to see and so many places we want to go that we're – it's a very frantic pace right now. I'm actually very much looking forward to when we get to Russia to just kind of like plopping down for a week and and, and taking a deep breath and, and going to a coffee house and, and relaxing a little bit, which we just don't seem to have a lot of that time in our schedule right now.
0: That's the challenge when you – I mean, this is what happens to us when we come back and visit. You just want to see yeah. everybody. So right yeah. now it's like you're, you're – oh, now we're embarking on a new phase, but wait, there's all these people we want to see and the to-do list is long and I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. In fact, that's one of the discussions my, my husband and I had. I said, you know, this time we can't stuff things in the back of the car and just <laughs> go, if we do a transatlantic move, this is like this many suitcases and maybe a container or part of a container for Lucky, but we're not going to pay whatever it is per square meter for stuffing crap in that we didn't get along, get around to. So, it, But it's hard, because when you have family, especially when you have little people involved, or medium little people in your case, but um, it, there's life that happens, and it's not as clean cut as from this time to this time I'm going to do this, because other things pop up. Um, so it's amazing that you, you know, you've managed to get it into a car, and you can manage that by West Coast. Maybe you can like drop one thing off at each person's house. <laughs>
3: well, we have a we have a box in the trunk of Goodwill stuff, so oh. we are slowly like you know what yeah. I don't need this shirt. I'm going to put this in the Goodwill pile. So we're uh, we we have a mobile Goodwill pile. When it gets big enough, we will we'll find a, a place to drop it off and and that's, onward that's
0: and that's for Kind it. of a neat idea, actually. <laughs> um, so if I were going to ask you what. Is there a question that you haven't been asked yet in regards to your book, your life, what you're up to right now that you'd love to answer with us right now? Mm-hmm. And imperfect.
3: Oh, wow, parent. I don't know because I've never been asked it.
2: People <laughs> well, have been asking <laughs> some really good questions. Um, well, when preparing for this one today, when giving thought to imperfect parenting, um, it felt to me like the best answer to the question that you might have asked. <laughs> um, <laughs> is uh you know how how do we parent as best we possibly can given that we are not perfect um is is one to admit that imperfection that that uh you know seeing seeing in ourselves the finger pointing parent who said you have to do this you know recognizing that person who i was yesterday (laughs) um can be better today is really helpful and and i think that as I was walking up the stairs, like, what is it? What's the the key ingredient that's going to help us do that? And I think it is coming down to our values and figuring out what they are mm-hmm. so that we compare it with intention. That we get so bogged down in the minutia of everyday life. It's so easy to be frustrated, yes. you know, that this morning, for instance, um, one son had borrowed another son's cards and the other son didn't mind that, but now he just wants to know where they are. And the other son... It, who, who took them initially said, Oh, well I left them here and son B is not finding son A's cars that he played Anyway. Um, and you know, why are you not helping your brother look for these things? It does. It's not obvious to you. <laughs> um, and if, if we were able to bounce it off of our values, then I, I would sit down with that son and say, okay, our credo says that we're going to treat each other with generosity, patience, and kindness. So of those three things, are we missing anything in your behavior right now? And they find those answers for themselves. So we've come up with it in our family. Which is kind of what
3: I did. I said, put down the toy and help your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I'm not sure what chapter is. I was going to say, let's see, is that the part about
0: um, learning, uh, resilience, service? I didn't scream
2: it
3: in my defense. I, I I didn't the proverbial father's finger, you know, pointed <laughs> at him. I just kind of said it. So I, I, you know, there's that. Anyway. It's so
2: funny. I never called you out. I never
3: once said that this was you. That was, doing that <laughs> you way. it wasn't my low point. It just wasn't no, it my was high bad. point either. You know, it was um, just a midpoint.
2: And, and the trouble is that, that there are a lot of those moments, right? Where we think to ourselves, Ooh, if I had that to do again, here's how I would do it. Um, so the best thing we can do to, to prepare And get things ready in advance is to sit down with first ourselves and our partner, then then with the children. And brainstorm values, decide what it is that we really want to focus on as a family, you know. Uh, And again, do it yourself first and then bounce it off your partner and see how how yours align. Because they may not align. You might come to be surprised at what things you think are more important. Um, Like ice cream. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, you'd get along with Mats just perfectly.
2: Oh, <laughs> ice cream.
3: Perfect. I'm
0: like, but we have I to go home. She needs to nap. But don't we want to get ice cream? No.
3: <laughs> I <love it>. Ice <laughs>
2: cream, maybe not. So I
3: love it. Yeah, and I think part of what makes uh, what Holly's describing so difficult is that it, it is impossible to um, – to take every moment and turn it into a deep and meaningful learning moment. There are not enough hours in the day. It's like the balancing the travel that we were talking about before. And so, uh, the extremes are always easy right? It's always yeah. easy to always do something or never do it. It's hard to do it, you know, the right quantity of time. And so since we can't turn every single moment into a learning moment, I think sometimes we err on the side of turning none of them into learning moments and finding that right balance. this is a right time and making sure it happens often enough and consistently enough that it, uh, that the learning's getting communicated. And, uh, and sometimes it is appropriate to just say, but let's <laughs> help your brother it find is. his, yeah. find his deck of cards. Um, but uh, but if you always just take the easy way out, and that, that comes up in the book a lot, the idea that this is an investment in your child's future. Absolutely.
0: It's uh, exactly what I was thinking about, the investment, and it is it is work sometimes. You have to kind of get over your own, in, in, our, in our case, and I'm sure in every parent's case, tiredness. Uh, yeah, we all have amazing intuition, and I think a lot of people have good intentions, as we were talking about before, but when you're tired and you've heard that scream or that argument for the third time in a row and, you know, your dinner is about to burn and whatever, there's a gazillion family moments happening, I mean, it's it's hard. I, I will say, even just before this interview, Ella, the plan was perfect, <laughs> and then, reality <laughs> happened. Our babysitter was turning in her film today. She's a film student, and we have her once in a while, and everything got late at the college so she was turning in her film and so then everything was basically over an hour later than it was supposed to be as far as my gap time so suddenly my daughter didn't want to get out of bed because the babysitter wasn't here yet and we were cuddled up and I'm looking at my notes okay I'm just gonna look at these honey (laughs) and anyway so as I sat down we had a computer glitch moment and then Ella ran in screaming two minutes before I was gonna call you mommy no mommy (laughs) I right. want to be with you, mommy. And then, of course, I feel like bad mom. And I'm thinking, okay, my intention is... <sighs> but at the same time, there's... But mommy really needs to work. <laughs> you know. So it was, you know, um, in those moments, there was kind of a... You know, my stress level went up a little bit because I really wanted to show up on time. That's really important for me. You know, you guys talk about integrity. That's where my piece comes in. My word is important to yeah. me. At the same time, I want to be present for her, trying to find that balance. So... I hear you. (laughs) There are those imperfect moments and those realities. And, um, but I don't, not only want to be in, in service, you know, using the words that you guys learning service and integrity. I love that from your book. And it's sometimes, it is tricky to, to be consistent. You know, the intention is there. So I think if you keep coming back to it, you keep coming back to what your intentions are and what you really want to do. You know, we're growing these little people from zero, on up and really we're in their lives until we're not and so it's a massive responsibility if you actually look at it that way you're teaching each other as you were saying if you're communicating effectively as you were saying in the book then you're you're each listening at some point point. and hopefully if you keep the doors open and the trust and all the things that you're building and their confidence is growing through you letting them fail and grow and fail and and us too then it can be amazing, but you know, I think the biggest thing that I see as we're talking about it is that we all just need to give ourselves a break. I love how real you guys are being right now—that you're not like, "Oh, da da da, we're following a book perfectly and everything goes great every moment of the day." <laughs> I really appreciate that because I think that uh, we all need to hear that and remind ourselves to give give our, the worst critics, that the people who are hardest on us are usually us. Mm-hmm. So it's that. I appreciate what you're saying, and I try to do the same. Sometimes I was not great at that before, for sure. Uh, revealing the imperfect moments or the the uh, failures, and I think it's it's vital because uh, we just need to set the tone differently. We need to set the bar where it goes up and down, just not so fixed. And um, I don't know. I, I really I really like the intentions that you guys are putting out there, and I hope that. Uh, people will get out there and read your book. And I wanted to ask, if now in the last three weeks, has anything changed? I read what your kind of dream is or your intention for the book, um, at least according to what you wrote in the book. But since you, it's been printed and you've been talking to people, has anything changed or you've had any aha moments about your high dream for the effects of, of sharing your, your thoughts, your ideas and dreams for people?
3: My, your my high biggest... dream for
0: the book, basically, and people?
3: Well, mine is very personal. Is now Holly when I don't parent the way that we both know I should? Holly quotes our own darn book at us. Oh no! <laughs> that's that's pretty brutal because, like you're saying, like we we feel very strongly that the the you know how we describe parenting in the book is the right way to go about parenting. But like you said, we don't always you know we're not always. Our perfect, our best selves, and um, and so she's like, you know what? In chapter four, it says that you should handle this situation. This way we're like,
2: Gah. it's she, particularly salient as we're doing these interviews, you know, and talking about what it is that we wrote. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw, saw your face chapter, a couple right, of times and when I was like,
0: and I had to quote, mind. "la la la," and you're looking at me like, oh really, we said that? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. No, but I think um, yeah. it's true. Yeah. After we, we finished it, gosh, in the. Late um I don't know, November. Like January. Oh, January. January. Okay. Yeah. And then we really didn't think about it. For, yeah, and then went for to the editors and the publishers. Light was all everything. about getting out of the house. Um and sure. so that first interview was like, What? What did we write again? I don't <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I, I really like recently there's a, a woman, Don't Keep Your Day Job, Kathy Heller. I don't know if you know her. She uh I listened to her podcast once some, once in a while and or actually quite consistently these days. And she made a comment about how uh, in a coaching session we had recently with a bunch of us, she said, you know, I just the other day was going to go to some presentation and I'd done all these slides, which, you know, whether it's a PowerPoint or your book, like it's what thoughts you've put down that everybody expects you to talk about. And she said, then I was waiting in the wings. I was about to go out. And she said, I can't talk about that. That was me eight days ago. That's not the only truth anymore. And I love that she shared that because I often feel that I take a million notes and maybe there's a few things in there that I actually talk about, but I can't read slide by slide or chapter by chapter. That's a part of who you are, but you're evolving every day. Little pieces are, are shifting and changing. So it's actually great. It's like somebody's talking about, you know, somebody else, and then you can really have an interesting conversation about it, but, yeah. you know, recognize the important pieces that will still come through. uh you know, and and each of us are going to get and grab on to different things that that have some meaning or soul for us in our lives, or that we're meant to see. You know, it's like if you watch a movie or you read a book more than once, you never get. I never get the same experience twice.
2: Sure.
0: So uh, you know, one day you'll maybe go back and read your book and and to be like, "Wow, oh, really?"
3: Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you, <laughs> "You know what?" That's why I enjoy the process of writing it so yeah. much. Is if forced us to really distill uh you what know we what we want what we want yeah. and, and forced us to be very intentional uh with our parenting. That's and, absolutely uh, true. And that's that's why I think the experience was so wonderful for us, you know, particularly writing it together is we got mm. to, you know, explore so, like, how process. do we feel about the subject. Yeah, it was great. Yeah.
2: You know, we've talked a lot about failure, but I would like to talk about a success while really? on the
3: road. We succeed sometimes too. We do. Yeah, we no,
0: do. I want to hear the good story. <laughs> the, the, the,
2: the <laughs> woo so and, uh, and my youngest, he, he's six, is pretty proud of this story. So I don't think he'd mind that I'm sharing it. Uh, we were in Indiana, a lovely day, walking in, in the forest in Indiana, um, looking at wildflowers, just gorgeous. And there's a rushing creek off there to the side, and the boys spot a little island in the middle of it, like a sandbar kind of thing. And not only that, but an enormous fallen tree reaching out to it.
3: Most of the way to it. And of
2: course, it has like a red neon sign saying, come to me, come to me, <laughs> little boys. So <laughs> they, they asked if they could, and you know we looked at it and said, sure. But, but let's talk about this for a second. Um, what if you fall off the mm. tree? You know, Let's plan a little bit they said oh it's fine we'll just we can grab a branch and I'm looking at this thing like it's an enormous trunk right so I don't if they slip off the trunk I don't know what they're thinking they're gonna grab onto I'm like okay and then if that doesn't work what could you do next um and this water's not very deep you know okay. uh so I, I'm waiting for them to say well then we just stand up but <laughs> they kind of look at each other like I don't know I said well is it very deep oh no like we could just yeah stand up I say exactly you know find your feet and and then you'll you'll be fine because it is possible to drown in you know very little water absolutely if um if you panic so we start you know they start crossing um I actually got distracted by by looking at a, a deer carcass right there in the water kind of nasty and interesting um and then splash it happens Seth falls into the water and, um, and not only that, he grabbed on to a branch, he had found one, <laughs> and, but that water was going so fast, you know, his feet were whoosh, down river and he is struggling. He's fighting. Wow. Um, and you, you were hearing him and like, oh, ooh, ah, you know, he's, he's panicking a little bit, but instead of rushing in to save him, um, which of course was my instinct, like, okay, save the kid. Oh my God. He <laughs> yeah. took a breath. And the brothers, not even I, but the brothers shouted, Seth, remember, you got to find your feet. You know, they knew the answer. And he did. He's soaking wet and totally cold, but he drips his way over to the island and he did it. You know, he he accomplished it rather than needing to be saved. Um, That was his success and his story to tell. And. This happened. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is great! This is a moment where we did exactly what we we're supposed to do." You know, we sat down beforehand, and, and we're
3: out of state, so Child Protective Services can't <laughs> find us. Uh oh, uh oh,
0: you you're frozen. Hello, I can't hear you.
2: Hello,
0: sorry, I just missed the last part after so we, the laughing. You froze. That's sorry. Okay.
2: So it's just the right thing, right? We talked about what to do, and it wasn't just me telling him. But rather, you're getting down on his level, Here, let's have a moment, everyone's focused in, and they gave me the answers. And not only that, at the end, it's important to have a wrap-up session, you know? Yeah. So do you realize what you just did? You, you looked at a situation and you assessed the danger, you came up with a plan for what would help you if something went wrong. And you saved yourself. That like that's that's a really big accomplishment. And not only that, we were able to tie it back into some literature that we had read. You know, <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. Do you remember when Laura fell into the oh creek and she did just the same thing? And so now it's linking to this heroine and their their lives. Um, and it was a really meaningful moment. It was a good teaching moment. So th- those shining stars are what we have to look back upon and be like, okay, I know we're capable of that stuff. Um, and Let's just try and do more of it as much as we can.
0: That's really strong work, though, like doing that, because I think that um, it's so instinctual, you know, (laughs) go save the kid, you know. And uh, I remember actually recently thinking, talking to my husband about when I was a nanny and a babysitter as a kid, I could see it so clearly from the outside, the one coming in, like, oh, just let the kid fall. It's only a, you know, a half a foot and it, they'll be fine. But then, you know, you, you're the parent and you suddenly realize when it happens so many times or they chip their tooth or, you know, something happens that there's this, something shifts sometimes. And I think that it's part of that work you were talking about, um, keeping the intention of letting them learn and build confidence. And it's really cool that your boys all work together like that. That's yay. Well, we're bumping up on time and I don't want to keep you guys too long, especially since you're, you know, on the road and uh, whatnot. We
3: have no idea where our children are right
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's, that's, there you go. That's not
2: true.
0: (laughs) We have
3: a pretty good idea.
0: Is there any last thing that you want? I would love for people. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, I want you to repeat again, where, how people can find you and how they can find your book and what your, you know, how you would prefer people find you, that not.
3: So our blog while we're traveling, if anyone's curious about that, is Mm -hmm. fivebackpacks.family. And our website for the book is resilienceparenting.info. And it's available on Amazon and such not like that as well.
0: Okay. And um, if people wanted to ask you a question, is there a way to do that through the website or?
3: Either of those websites have our email. And they can reach out to us directly. We'd be happy to hear from them.
0: Great. Is there anything you want to ask our our listeners that uh, maybe they can... (laughs) connect with you or or they can write to us and we can share with you what would
3: we be. would just love to hear some of their stories some of their successes and failures oh, as that's well that's a
2: great idea yeah yeah any time where they felt that they were a teacher rather than just a yeah. a naysayer or a yeah. disciplinarian i would love to hear those stories that would be great
0: great well well let's hope that they uh they hear you be brave everyone and <laughs> contact us and let us know how it goes and thank you so much for your time today. And I really appreciate you know you found a, a stable moment and let your kids run free and have their exploration while we're <laughs> sitting here talking about our varied lives. And maybe we'll cross paths. You'll, you'll probably be well. You'll probably be fairly east. But if you ever make it here and we're we're still here, you're we'll we'll connect you with something fun. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Wonderful. We'd love to meet you in person. That would be great. Uh, Very I, much too.
0: So. I hope it happens. Have a really wonderful day. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, bye. Ella.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Ella. Yeah. Thanks, Ella, for letting us have your mom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, bye. Bye-bye. Take care.
2: <laughs> so that
0: was Holly and Chris. What Very interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm impressed about what they are doing. This uh, sabbatical.
0: Well, the the whole story was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting to talk to a couple that is passionate about something together. I mean, we do our podcasts, but, you know, this is really a livelihood and a business. It's sort of like the the vision that many of us have, you know, when you have a, a partner that you can create something together, hopefully not make each other crazy in the midst of it, but that they've made it so successful and they've created and invited into their lives or whatnot, a, a team that was strong enough and reliable enough that they could sell their home and and travel. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Um, yeah. And give that experience to not only themselves, but to their whole family. That's a, amazing. Fantastic. It's yeah. a big um, leap of faith to jump into with, you know, that many people in the family and, you know, small yeah. to medium-sized and... Managing that. Well, we've had quite a few people on, you know, we've got Yana Khan and and, um, Petra and Andre, 421. And now we have Holly and um, Chris, which when I first was doing the exchange of emails, I didn't realize that they were actually on the road. Nomadic family. I just knew that they'd written a book. And I thought it was really interesting that they were basically wrote it, you know, and they said, okay, the process was finished. And then they were just, you know, knee deep or maybe... Head deep in uh, downsizing their home to get ready to go, and uh, you know, just were immersed in that. And then, literally, as soon as they were on the road, they the book launched as well. So they've been when I spoke to them, they were three weeks yeah. on the road and you know, having launched the book. So that's a lot happening at once. I guess it's nice to know that we're not the only ones that are have so many things converging at the exact same time, right?
1: Yeah. I, and I, I also, uh, I'm also always impressed by by parents who they they talked about this parenting with intention. I think this
0: mm-hmm. parenting with intention, and
1: I know you do that too. Yeah, and there are some people who are doing it, and I'm so bad at it. So I'm I'm always impressed when I see <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> well, we talked about the difference in our styles and how we, you know, actually no, that was actually maybe that was today. I talked to somebody and was saying that. Uh, our difference, you being around more because you've been looking for a job, uh, have it, it's created an awareness because your style from your past family, and who you are, is a bit different to mine and the direction that we've been going. and, and you're quite good at having intention sometimes, but sometimes. Um, but having you around more has actually made me think more. When I might have been tired and reacted and done what you did. But because you did it, I actually saw it, you know, and it made me reflect in my own self in the mirror and then made me go deeper with Ella. So you'll, you'll, for example, have a quick reaction to something and then I, it immediately puts me in a mode of looking at the opposite side and it's actually creating um, a better experience for Ella in the end because I might have slipped into the direction that you were as well except that because you did it, then I... yeah a lot more clearly from the outside you know so yeah and no, I, I like their purpose and of, of the intention and talking about resilience and that this current generation um i'm glad you're not killing me yet about you know talking about your your family your my, my bonus family bringing it up that there were some challenges with the you know confidence at the beginning just after the divorce um now it seems like they're really jumping in both kids are kind of finding their feet in different ways But at the very beginning, you know, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this poor girl, you know, hasn't even been given the confidence to ride a tram by herself at that point and things Mm -hmm. like that. And and uh, that's what they were talking about is, you know, if you aren't able to teach kids resilience and that it's okay to fail and. You know, just go for it and and whatnot. Um, you know, you're doing them a disservice, and but I think there's still it's a always
1: done with love or with. Well, this a, is what to, we they the, talked about like as well, you, like and I agree that I would yeah, I yeah, never yeah. think
0: that anybody's doing it. I don't think you guys did it on purpose <sighs> to be nasty to them. Of course, you're trying to protect them, and and that's and, what parents do. And
1: then there is also, uh, I mean, you need to find the the right resilience level. You can't let go too much either because. You never know if something happened. You would, you would, you would re- regret it. Forever.
0: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so this that... is—I I, was—I was completely blown away when, when Holly was telling her story about, you know, her boys wanting to, you know, cross that log or that tree, whatever, to to yeah. go to that island, and then you know, one of them fell in, and and just how honest she was about the story, and because I didn't really know what to expect from the interview. Um, I thought, okay, we're going to have a conversation, you know, as usual, let's just see what unfolds. I was super impressed at how real she was being. I, I felt my stomach go, Oh my gosh, was he okay? You know, <laughs> when he fell in, but I thought that was incredibly brave to really be, you know, walking the talk or whatever they say, talking the talk, walking the walks. I, I'm not even going to get it right now because my brain's a little tired, but you know, doing yeah, walk the talk, like what you say that you do it and, uh, so that was impressive because I think of course you know you want to jump in and save your kid but at the same time you know you need to let him fall
1: yeah. they have yeah, to learn so and, and it was,
0: that was a really strong um, yeah. story I really appreciated that and I was, would have liked to know more
1: about the book writing process exactly how do you write a book together do they do chapter one uh, each or, how, or do they kind of veto each other out or is it going to write anything
0: I guess because maybe we've yeah. talked about this process yeah. and you kind of blocked it because exactly. you thought it'd be terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, it evolved in a different direction. So yeah. you know how that happens yeah, yeah, sometimes no. when we're talking and, uh, you know, that was one of the questions maybe on the mental list, but it, it got moved away as we, I felt like somehow it was, what was natural was to get to know who they are, who are these people writing the book? Because, um, and, and I didn't mean for that to happen. I, I, we talk about how in, it's an intuitive process when we talk to people. It's not so, or at least for myself, I don't, I can't follow my list. I start out on my list, but it, it kind of needs to go where it's meant to. You know, that's my crazy process, but, uh, uh, I respect that process. And I think it's important also because, um, the book, uh, at least, you know, I had a digital version because I'm over here, you know, uh, in Prague and there in the U S but, the digital version they had stories of themselves they they did talk about you know their experience, but i didn't get the depth of the personal that I got from seeing them and listening to mm-hmm. them and so there was a part of me that wanted to go into the list of questions that I had at the same time uh it sort of seemed it's it, in the end it was the it was the right thing because uh I was missing that piece i didn't I need to see people's eyes and and hear their voices for me to really connect with them. So I'm I'm really happy that they're actually um, going on this sort of podcast and etc. tour to, uh, I now get the value of why you need to do book readings or get yourself out there because people want to, they want you, not just the great ideas because they had a lot of great ideas that, you know, you heard me quoting some things because some things really struck me mm-hmm. that they were saying partly that I, things that I agreed with, some things were mostly aligned, but I, it made me think if they weren't things that I fully aligned with and I appreciated that, but the people part is, you know, essential. So it, it actually woke me up to that, um, because sometimes the book has been, I'll read a book and it's enough, uh, but I liked having the whole, uh, yeah, It something's changed since we started this process. I realized the value of talking to the people.
1: So I would like to hear them again. When well, they go in, trans, maybe that's one of the things we can do. We can talk Sibirum. about what
0: their process was yeah. and, and check in with them again. And and that's um something we can we can definitely I mean that's what we've been doing with our other people on the road and of course, you know, we'd love to I'd love to talk to them maybe before they get um, before they go to the Siberian Express, like what their idea is of it, you know, now that they've been traveling for a bit longer. And then maybe after and see, so we can check in with their their people and as well with them and uh, see what happens from that because it'll be exciting. That would be nice. uh, Yeah, no, it was really nice to meet them, and uh,
1: and you also learned that I have a brown belt.
0: Yeah, that well, I was hoping we could just touch on that because that was just bizarre to me. We have had just you know countless hours of conversation since we've known each other, and it's just I always said I really hope. That new things will pop out every once in a while until we die. Yeah. You know, on one hand, I'm like, how could I not know that? But I always wanted that. I always worried that we talked so much because some couples don't talk that much. I mean, I watch them and I don't see them talking. Maybe they did at one point. And, and I always thought, you know, we've talked so much about so many different topics, whole, you know, on a holistic level. I always worried that we wouldn't have more to talk about. So tell me about that. When did that happen? And why did you stop? And um, and then I'll share something with you which maybe you didn't know either.
1: Well, I did this when I was in my 20, early 20s for like three, four years. And why? Uh, I always wanted to do a martial art, but then I couldn't do it when I was um, Cycling. cycling. Uh, so then I, I started it when I stopped cycling and um, it's called Shurinji Kempo. From, it's a Japanese thing, so it's kind okay. of a mix. Yeah, I wanted to ask what your go-to was. It's a little bit of a the... mix between kind of um, soft, te- like judo-like like techniques and also more karate kicks, so it's kind of a mixture of it, so okay. a, a lot of philosophy was in there. I, I, no, I really liked it, but my body was a mess all the time doing this what do you mean um because there's so much stretching going on oh, so you're, you're not uh, a very and i'm so flexible person. i'm so stiff so i was i was getting much <laughs> more flexible but the the price to pay was my back was to always bad my uh, hips were always aching so my body was always aching when really b- because even of after stre- you've been doing it yeah, for a long time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the stretching so, and i think the lot of people doing martial arts, they have the hips replaced quite early if you if you do it really intense. Lars brother had his hips replaced in his early forties. Uh, because tri- of 15, the 20- pivoting and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, so that that's why I mean I kinda really like it and it gives you confidence and it's a lot of philosophy around it, but it doesn't suit my body. Cycling suits my body better or going to mm. the gym with like, uh, uh, lifting weights.
0: Well, interestingly yeah. enough, before we even made contact, I mean, Holly and Chris and I and us, uh, I actually had been thinking about ways to focus Ella's energy. And one of the things, because I dance and yoga are things that we do, but I also had been contemplating the idea of her doing some sort of martial art um, to focus her energy, to have the philosophy around something, and if I'm, all, if I'm honest, because we've been talking about moving to the different countries, and Czech is so friggin' safe overall. I mean, the mentality is not very, very aggressive. Uh, I also think about, you know, um, though you're not supposed to use your martial art as a um, weapon, at the same time, I always have wanted her to have something to protect her. No, no, I think it would be, her, it, it, To great. be strong. She, she to, has she's to very, very strong, but is, to be able to focus... She's strong
1: is she's also very flexible body already did that She's age. You've got my
0: flexibility and your strength. At yeah, so that that's age
1: where I was already stiff like a rock.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, but... Uh, so share
1: your uh, secret. No, no, that was okay, actually yeah, it, that yeah, I hadn't yeah, told yeah. you that I had actually yeah, yeah. been thinking okay, about martial right. arts yeah, for no, no, her, I think it's
0: because yeah, I have yeah. like a handful of friends, and uh, I don't know, it just, I, I, I would like her to explore it and see if she grooves with it at all, and not that she has to like it right away, but just see... Maybe let her play around with it for a while uh, or or play around with it doesn't sound right. But, you know, maybe give her a shot, see if we could find the right teacher. I think for her, it would be about the right teacher. Um, I'm not sure if I, I think she would also be good in team sports or something. But anyway, this it was just interesting to me that I had just been thinking about it and then, you know, here come these people with a dojo yeah <laughs> oh so yeah, it was yeah, cool. for me yeah. interesting and then you talking about how you uh no i think
1: it, it, it is it's great sport So, and it's it also that you have this spiritual aspect of it where you um yeah where you learn to a lot of things about life but it also to use your so force in it Yeah, in, so you're in the, working about your, right your yeah,
0: energy yeah, and, and, and and whatnot i mean yeah. that uh, i think As I said, I've only done a couple different types of Tai Chi a couple of times. But but when they talked about martial arts in general, they talked about this. And of course, you know, I've seen the bad 80s. (laughs) No, it wasn't that bad. But the Karate Kid, and even though it's Hollywood and this and that, there's still that piece that for me, um, in all honesty, a lot of American sports, I don't feel that. (laughs) I don't feel the spiritual side of things or the energetic side or the the body awareness you have body awareness as far as like how well you are doing your sport but um i don't think that sweden and even czech republic are except maybe when two teams the two rivaling teams get together otherwise i don't feel the sort of intense somewhat aggressive um competitive reality that comes in with doing sports And as I'm thinking about kids and sports, I think about this a lot. Actually, it's one thing that there was a couple here working at the international school when I first started. They took they've moved back to the United States. They were super competitive, very ultra athletic people. And they moved back to the U.S. because they didn't feel it was competitive enough here. And I ironically, when we talk about the possibility of moving back to the U.S., my biggest fear is that reality is the intensity of how. A lot of the sports are. So martial arts appeals to me because, yes, of course, you can have that in martial arts as well. If you have a but, but particular it, but person running the it, dojo that has a particular you know, idea, like uh, like Chris's mom was kind of concerned about martial arts. But I think we, you find the right but teachers it's, it, and you, it can this be great.
1: you say this aggressivity, it doesn't seem to lead to extreme results. I mean, the U.S. is it's relatively it's not a fantastic. Oh, you mean the aggressiveness
0: doesn't and competitiveness yeah. doesn't make them better? Yeah, I mean yeah, it, it's something it, it, about the nature consider, of our, our society.
1: Mean, there, it, it, yeah, it depends on where you look. But if you look at Olympic games, the yeah, U.S. is good. But it's 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 like you know, all Europe's countries together, it's nothing. I mean, even Sweden is sometimes better well, than U.S. That's
0: going to lead us into an entirely different conversation yeah. about the U.S. I mean, I think there's. Um, I could go into the philosophies and the strength of the economy and the politics and the environment. Let's not go there. I don't really want to go no. into all those intense topics. So all I wanted to say was, I don't want to go into all those politics and whatnot. Yet, there is something about the confidence of a nation that creates the confidence in the people. And there's it's related as well to the sport. Like, there's more kind of intensity in, for example, the U.K., they have all those kind of crazy things happening at the games and whatnot. You have some of these things, same things in the U.S. I mean, I think there's something, there's strong economies, et cetera, and there's something related, but we're not going to go into all of that. Just uh, I'm happy to be inspired by a couple of people who were honest, open, and real when they're trying to sell a book and, part, and at the same time, they're just being two people with good intentions for their kids, and mm-hmm. that was great to meet them. Great. So. I just wanted to say very quickly, as we said at the end of the interview, um, and don't forget if you were listening, so please uh, write in or even leave a quick message on our Facebook group, Imperfect Parenting. Um, It's the black and white logo, just like you have here on the podcast, so you can find it really easily. Please let us know what would, you know, answer the question. If you heard the end of the podcast, you know what question it is. Answer that question, and uh, we'd like to pass it on to... Holly and Chris. You know what I'm talking about. Have an imperfect day. Beautifully imperfect day. And buy the book. Yes, definitely buy the book. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Imperfect Parenting and our imperfect podcast. For show notes, links to things we discussed, our blog, and more, please go to our website at www.imperfectparenting.net. If you have questions, comments, or stories you'd like to share, please go to our social media on our page or write us at info at imperfectparenting.net. We would love a review on iTunes from you and might have a couple surprises at the other side. So IP parents around the world, keep having a wonderfully imperfect day.